Ladies and gentlemen, Crystal Clear Industries, in association with Rhinestone Radio Podcasts, is proud to present Old Hollywood Realness. Brought to you in vibrant podcastoscope for your listening pleasure. Join your hosts Kathleen Null and Philip Estrada as they recap Hollywood's dazzling darlings one film at a time. And now, please sit back, relax, and enjoy the program. <laughs> good morning, Kathleen. How good morning, are you? Goodness. I'm good. How are you? Um, I'm good. I'm good. Um, first things first. Did we watch the same movie? Uh, Dishonored Lady. <laughs> Dishonored Lady. <laughs> um, and thank you to the listeners at home for being so um, kind and uh, supportive about our snafu last week. We've gotten a lot of pretty good, um, pretty good comments and feedback that they at least everybody um, took it in good spirit. So um, yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed our our fuck up episode, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, guys. Uh, Life happens. Life yeah, happens. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Like, yeah. it's c'est la vie. Um, oh goodness! Welcome back to Old Hollywood Realness. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> this is the podcast where we celebrate all the glitz and glamour of Tinseltown's golden era and mm-hmm. all the people that make it happen. Um, I'm Philip Estrada. I'm Kathleen Nall. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we're here to talk to you about Dishonored Lady, um, <laughs> 1947. This is a new United Artists picture. Um, it's also produced by Hunt Stromberg, just like our previous episode, Lady of Burlesque. Yes. Um, so we are kind of, um, accidentally creating a little theme. Uh, costume, the directed, um, the director of this film is Robert <laughs> Stevenson and the costumes are, um, from this movie, the gowns were credited to Eloise Jensen. Yes. Um, yes. So in the main cast, we have Hedy Lamar as Madeline Damien, uh, Dennis O'Keefe as Dr. David S. Cousins, John Loder as Felix Cortland, the jewelry Um <laughs> He's the, the master jeweler, if you will. Yeah. Uh, Resident Terry Winston, um, William <laughs> Lundigan as Jack Garrett, the ne'er do well guy that sh- um, Madeline works with. Morris Carnova- Karnovsky is um, Dr. Richard Caleb, the psychiatrist. Natalie Schaefer is Ethel Royce, um, uh, Madeline's co worker. Um, yes. Paul Cavanaugh is Victor Cranish, who's sort of the um, editor of the magazine. And um, Margaret Hamilton plays the uh, landlord, Mrs. Geiger, who was, it was actually really fun to see her in a, a role I know, right? outside of the, you know, the Wicked Witch of the West. Well, it's it funny because I saw her credits and she was like one of the last credits. I was like, oh, Margaret Hamilton, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> and this movie doesn't have a ton of like, um, you know, like stars in it, as it were. Uh-huh. So I was, it was actually kind of cool to see that. So yeah, it was to really see cool. someone with a little bit of a, you know, a notoriety in there. Yeah. So, um, uh, so Kathleen, tell me, what's your history with this movie? Dude, I have no history <laughs> Besides not watching it. <laughs> Funny you ask that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> So when was the first time you watched it? <laughs> yeah, I think this last week, actually. It was this last week, right after we 
uh, recorded on Wednesday, <laughs> so I would say Thursday and then yesterday. <laughs> um, that thoughts? was it. Thoughts, feelings? Oh, I, this movie was fucking good. I really mm-hmm. liked it. In fact, I enjoyed it because, like, some of these movies, um, definitely, I try to watch them at least, like, at least twice and uh, sometimes a third right, time yeah. because there's just so much to capture and um, kind of like absorb and I really enjoyed watching it the second time around because I felt like I really was able to kind of like like oh no she did it like there's a lot going on and it's really <laughs> it's a really good movie I the, the story yeah, was awesome is. um Hedy Lamar is is amazing I um, mean I think come on she's Ish. so fucking good her acting is great I mean as as they tell you which you almost get tired of hearing about 10 minutes into the movie she is beautiful she is very beautiful mm-hmm. But I love how they did that. I love how the um, the, the the way the movie is crafted um, as an as somebody watching in the audience. Like they really help you. Um, they really want you to like try to um, go on the journey of like understanding her character and having mm-hmm. empathy for her. Yeah. And and like I said, like right away, I feel like I love how they set up. I would say even five minutes into the movie, you're like you are sick and you are just like you feel like her. You're like sick and tired of hearing about everybody comment about how beautiful she is. Um, I know. And I feel yeah, like they're really yeah. good at setting that up, and that she's pretty much like uh, uh, supremely judged on um, her physical appearance, despite the fact mm-hmm. that they also make very clear that she's extremely talented. She makes her own money. She's very successful, and um, very much uh, shamed for that. There's a lot yeah. of like you said, slut shaming. It happening. really, honestly, um, like I'm mean, not to interrupt, but I think that like it's yeah. almost just like. They really could have just titled this movie all caps slut colon a woman's story. Yeah, it's kind right? of it was kind of fucked up because I was just it's like, really why are they what, like everyone was so like kind of on her shit about everything she was doing and every choice she made, and I was just yeah. like, what is she? She's not doing anything that was untoward or at all. Yeah. But people were just insinuating it. Um, all this so stuff. much insinuation. It was so well, crazy. I think that's such a great uh, thing to say. Also, too, you know, it's like as so many of us learn. Uh, perception is everything exactly and i think that that movie really is trying to show that like even if she was chased like you never really Mm -hmm. know it's like did she or didn't she we don't know the point is she's being judged and And, it doesn't um, matter and it it doesn't matter and even yeah and even say that at some point like it it doesn't matter (laughs) so yeah not i mean not to do again not to derail but like that scene when her coworker jack garrett like basically um hoodwinks her into taking um a ride home with Felix Cortland and oh, stuff and then like basically hit there it was like his whole thing to be like oh you got to get this jewelry campaign and the thing blah 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 all this stuff she goes um she inadvertently goes to um, Felix Cortland's house and then the mm-hmm. next day well, of course he becomes obsessed with her and sends her yes. flowers the next yeah. morning and everyone and they're all just like oh well yeah of course he's gonna send her flowers. it's like dude this is what you wanted. You wanted yeah. her to ingratiate herself with Felix Cortland, and now you're fucking giving her shit about it. It's like, what the yeah. fuck? It's like the bitch can't win. You know? you know what? She it's very much a Joan Holloway and Mad Men situation. Exactly. You know I mean? You're just, like, it's just okay, like, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, you're All like right. looked pretty, be, yeah. look pretty, flirt with everybody. Oh yeah, thanks for flirting with everybody. You fucking slut. It's just yeah. like, what? Wait, what? Well, and <laughs> meanwhile, also expressly brilliant at their job. Like brilliant, yes. really, really like smart. Um, you know, like like beautiful and incredibly intelligent. And I think that that's something that definitely comes across uh, throughout the movie, which Mm -hmm. I really loved. Like I, I really, really loved the part where, you know, when she, when she 
basically gives everything up and she goes to live in this little uh, rooming house. That's where you meet mm-hmm. Margaret Hamilton and she meets Chris Hansen and they and, and Chris like, Hansen. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, but straight up, like I just kept like like, and I'm not mad at that because you know he's you know he's he's a crime fighter. So like, um, but like I really I I really really love that how like you, the second time around watching it, I realized that. He's the first per- he's the first man or actually woman too. He's the first person that you see her meet that doesn't straight up talk about how beautiful she is exactly. right out the gate. He right. does eventually not- say it, but he's it's more like, "Hey, you know what?" instead of just being like, "Whoa," immediately judging. And so yeah. um and then also too, I really love that um she was given the task of like she was drawing like the all the cells and all the science shit which yeah um or the like soap that, bubbles whatever you that made me so happy like that yeah. actually that was like super touching for me like because i just thought that was so awesome and that uh, well i was gonna say that's pretty much all I, when it comes to this movie that's all i know about hedy lamar is that yeah. she is pretty much like the og lady of stem Mm-hmm. Um, and that was again just talk about art imitating life. She very much wanted to be known for that versus being a so pretty old Hollywood lady. Exactly. So yeah. um, there's actually yeah. a really great documentary I had watched. Yes, recently, yes, yes, yes. Um, okay, good. That <laughs> is really good about Hattie Lamar and mm-hmm. her sort of her. Um, I guess you could say her trials and tribulations dealing yes. with that and trying to get recognition for that. So she did do a lot sort of like th- a lot of, she did a lot of theoretical stuff more mm-hmm. so than actual practical stuff, but she did kind of like pave, she, she did pave the way and she was one of the first people to actually think about, um, um, what's it called? Um, frequency, frequency. Uh, like mm-hmm. frequency changing and stuff like that for, um, for, uh, communications during the war and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then actually that ended up becoming, um, really, uh, sort of pioneering a thought process for, um, digital communication as we have it today, actually. That's yeah. right. Which keeps, um, you know, f- the ability for you to text somebody without, you know, your dick pics getting all over the, uh, being hacked immediately because, yes. you know, frequency changing. So yes. yeah, you so can think how Lamar, Lamar. <laughs> we're keeping our dick pics safe. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I feel like I know her for two things: that, and then um, the uh, wonderful co- the Headley Lamar from uh, Blazing Saddles. So, because yes. they would, I love that running joke. So, yes. <laughs> Headley. <laughs> um, anyway. So that's uh, it. How do you know this movie? Um, Let's see. Well, (laughs) besides last week, um, I had seen it on um, Amazon Prime pretty much because it's one of those, Uh again, one of those movies that has um, lost its copyright. It had lapsed. Right, it fell into the, yeah. So so Mr. Bezos snatched it up and put it up on um, Amazon. In fact, it's on there twice. Um, Yes. So there's three different versions and you have to pay for one. And then there's two that are free. <laughs> I'm like, okay, whatever. And once, once marked as digitally remastered, but it doesn't I watched, feel like it, but whatever. Yeah. Well, I watched that one and it's, you know, it couldn't, it could be better, but Hey, love, yeah. say love you. You know, it's exactly. It could be worse. Um, so I watched that. It's pretty good. I feel like I was doing, um, so I've seen it. I watched it a few times in preparation for this, but not, it wasn't something that, so I discovered it recently. It wasn't um, in my, mm-hmm. you know, in my back pocket for quite some time. So, um, but I was doing some research. So this was based on a play of the same title. And apparently um, the movie Letty Linton was sort of based on this play as well pre earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and that one um, was all the storyline was changed a little bit, but then this movie was more closely based and I was actually licensed to be sort of um, was purchased as a, um, 
you know, a remake of the play. But it feels like they, because in the reading that I found um, on, you know, ye old Wikipedia was that <laughs> they had take, because of the censors, there was a lot more sort of like affairs in the play that, um, that, Madeline Damien had that they ended up cutting for mm-hmm. you know propriety's sake which I think would made uh, maybe would have you know kind of like it took a little bit of the teeth out of this movie I think because yeah. there's you know and also I feel like the movie did a, did a little disservice to Madeline as well because she was going to the psychiatrist and stuff like that because of her life and her choices and trying to figure out her life. But I really felt that like it was kind of missed for me personally. Felt like it was a little misguided because I feel like she should have been going to the psychiatrist to be like, why the fuck is everyone in my shit? You know? Yeah. It's just, I felt so unfair that she was taking it all on as her, as As what she, as her problem is like what she did and her choices are like so terrible. And I'm like, really? It's more or less like it's other people's perceptions and stuff like that. Like, you know, like the gossiping, you know, all the gossip that was happening with her fucking, like with her secretary, which I'm just like, when she fired her secretary, I was like, good on you because I was was just, you know, and then fucking Jack Garrett was all like, oh, well I'll take care of this. I'm like, bitch, she was gossiping about her boss. Yeah, yeah. Fuck exactly you. and I'm, so i just feel like it was i, she I feel not like win she was and she knew it that's yeah. why she was like fuck y'all i'm out of this shit show you will not change this is not exactly. good for my progress and my mental health which i thought i thought you know in their own fucked up way they were trying to shine kind of like a positive spotlight on you know uh you know mental health improvement and like i yeah. thought the psychiatrist he reminded me a lot of the psychiatrist that claude rains played in now voyager mm-hmm. where they're like you know trying to take this woman on their journey and they're not they're not creepos they're like really trying yeah. to help in fact and i really I, loved how i loved the scenes where he was trying to help chris hansen like understand and like <laughs> like <laughs> like that you know like kind of like bitch ask yourself ask yourself did she do yeah. anything to you like yeah. think about it Think of, look at these people. <laughs> like, right. look, at, well, yeah. how, how, look at her. What do you think? You know? And like, even on when she was on trial, when she was yeah. on trial for being suspected as being a, no, um, so a murderer, yeah. but she was on trial for being, for, for being a slut, basically. basically That's what she yes. was on trial for. Yeah. It was like, you know, she was like, well, she had affairs with people. She would, she went out socially with men and that's well, why were, she went, like, surely you know, she's not, she's not uh, incapable of, of committing fucking murder because she gets right. around. You know? Well, she yeah. was, no, that was their premise was like, oh, yeah. her, her, um, her motive for murder was because she wanted to be with Chris Hansen, but she just couldn't stand that. She just couldn't break it off with Felix Corlin. So instead of breaking off, she murdered him. And I'm like, easy now, Jessica Fletcher. That's a bit of a stretch. Come on. Like seriously, get out of here. Yeah. Which I feel like, um, so my personal take was that I feel like, um, now Voyager did a better job on the, um, psychiatry front because I feel like there was it was more about like I felt like they just did a better job of like 
you know, Betty Davis's character was sort of dealing with the perceptions and the expectations of other people. Whereas right. and it wasn't the, about the psychiatrist in this too, movie you know? yeah. and the psychiatrist in this movie was very much just like, well, you need to change yourself because everyone thinks that you're a slut because of what you're doing. And it was just like, well, come on now. Like, yeah. just let the girl live her goddamn life. You know, yeah, it's just exactly. like, she's just, you know, just because she's pretty and she's, you know, shaking that puss all over town doesn't mean that she's, you know, living a terrible life. She's, you know, as long as she's having fun and, you know, and living her, you know, not, you know, not hurting anybody. The she's paying, fine. She's, she's wildly successful. She's paying, paying her, her own bills. Own bills. Like, <laughs> I, I think everybody needs to take a seat. Yes. <laughs> it's just it's like, like sit the fuck down and shut the fuck up. But Anyhow. this is, you know what? This is, unfortunately, this is a problem even today. It's just like, right. you know, God yeah. forbid, God forbid. So. And it's like, and God forbid you do it without an end game of having some man, just so you could give it all up for some man to take care of you. It's like, exactly. fucking A, dude. Yeah. Really? I really? think that this movie is definitely def- definitely a product of its time. So it I mean, is, it's 1937 it's or 19, wait, 30, 47. So 1947. 47. Uh-huh. Please, you know, shoulder pads out to here. It's so yes. 47. I mean, pretty good stuff though. But, yeah. you know, I just, you know, I I think that it could have, it it was a great movie. It could have mm-hmm. been better. Of course, it's going to handle the, it's going to handle the uh, psychiatry stuff and like her, you know, free spiritedness as it were in, in a 1947 way, really. Honestly, I can see this movie being remade in a modern way, in a modern setting with more like and and it could be really good. Like I was thinking about watching the second time around, especially when they got to the court scenes and stuff. And I was just like, you know, I could really this would be an excellent even if you revisited it and set it in the 40s, which I not be mad at that at all. But um, this could really like I feel like you could really retell this story without a whole lot of like pretty much stick to the original line, just beef mm-hmm. it up a little bit more in ways that make sense. Uh, and and it could be really fucking right. good. Like, because like, Madeline's I, character, yeah. like, Jesus, like, you could have embellished so much more on her past. And, yeah. like, I loved how complicated she was. She came from some fucked up shit, and she was still mm-hmm. mad talented and, like, got through yeah. that. Like, let's, let's unpack that a bit more. Her dad was some yeah. really famous artist that she ends up living with. And she witnesses him having this wonderful time and having this great life, right. and then and then and then it all comes crashing like, down when he commits suicide. Like you yeah. lived through that, and then in, in addition to becoming being very talented, just like him, and troubled, you also right. had the mental yeah. strength to like go after shit on your own and like live a good mm-hmm. life. And on top of it all, we can just say what everybody else is saying. You're so pretty, like yeah. <laughs> like um. Can we like? I want to unpack more about like who this like. Seriously, if you if you were to do this again, I think that it could right. Be, like with I all feel the remakes like, we're doing nowadays, this I would know. be one that would be good. <laughs> I just wish that there was more opportunity for Madeline to sort of clap back on some of the people. Oh, like she clapped back a little bit, but like just like I, I was really, really wish pissed that at like Mrs. Been. Thurston Howell. Remember that the really it was like <laughs> that's who I think that's the actress. I recognize that voice. Remember her? Wh- the which one? The 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 one the, that. Her the, co-worker. The one, her, her co-worker who sets yeah. her up. That's Thir- yeah. Mrs. Thurston Howell from yes. Beverly Hillbillies. Oh, Ethel Royce. <laughs> Maybe. We'll have to Google that. Yeah, no, please. That voice. That, <laughs> that's her. I will. Well, what was that? What was the point you were making about that, though? Um, just what? that, like, um, she she was awful, and so, like the, awful. the fact that she was kind of part of the setup too, and she didn't mm-hmm. have she didn't have one female friend throughout this whole thing. Right. Like it, well, it appears really like she out. didn't have much of friends to begin with. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. She like didn't get close to anyone, but that bummed me out. 
Oh, she was Mrs. Howell from Gilligan's Island. Thank you. <laughs> wow. Please. Nailed it. <laughs> I heard her voice. Like, I wasn't even looking. I was like, oh, we got two in here. Her and Margaret Hamilton. I'm like, I... The millionaire <laughs> and, and his, his wife. wife. That's why she's Mrs. Thurston Howell. I can't even remember her first name because that's how it goes. I think her na- her character's name was... Did he call her Mummy or something Mrs. like that? Mrs. Lovely Howell. <laughs> Lovely. Lovey. Lovey Howell is he her credit, her is her credit yeah, that's name. Right. He, called, he called her something. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Goodness. Goodness. Um, yeah. So, yeah I, <laughs> sorry, sidebar. <laughs> um, yeah. But so I think that, yeah, I wish that somebody, I wish she had the opportunity to clap back more on that where she's just like, what the hell do you want? Like what I wish she would have been like, what do yeah. you want from me? Like, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah, I do what she, you know, it's like, well, let's I, face it. Her biggest clap back was that she just fucking disappeared. Exactly. She was like, Bye. And the quip. Like, I think yeah. that was a great scene where she's like, where he was gonna, where um, Jack was gonna sell her out to the, to the, produ- to the editor about Felix. And she was just like, call him, tell him, I'm, tell him oh, I slept, uh, tell him I, oh, I, I was dating so him. Tell, I don't give a fuck. She's like, him in that moment. I, I know. <laughs> she's like, use my phone, use my desk, <laughs> take it all, bitch. <laughs> Loved it. It was so good. Oh, that's Wee. how I want to go out at my job. I just can't. It's goals. It's fucking goals. I've always said that when I when I when I quit, I'm just gonna karate chop my desk in half. <laughs> <laughs> See, I feel like no, I'm, I'm gonna go out like that guy, the, the guy who was working the fast food job at in fucking um oh, half oh, bake. He's like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck, fuck you. you. You're cool. Fuck you. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's like that had that's like that um article i saw where this woman um i guess won the lottery quit her job in a really dramatic way and it only turns out she won like twelve hundred dollars <laughs> yeah you gotta be real careful about that shit. you gotta check those numbers yeah first. yeah yeah just really make sure all those zeros are where they yep. need to be <laughs> Um, but, uh, before we get too deep into everything, I wanted to actually talk about Eloise Jensen because we haven't really covered too much of her stuff before on it. Well, actually we haven't covered any of her stuff before. Um, but she did have a pretty interesting career. This is her first screen credit. Um, and she was so quick actually, which is kind of funny because of our last film that we did, um, uh, Lady of Burlesque, which was mm-hmm. um, designed by Natalie Vizart for the balance of the costumes outside of what, um, oh God, why can't I remember her beautiful name? Barbara Stanwyck's um, costume. <laughs> so um, <laughs> so uh, let me see. So in the book, I just love this book, Creating the Illusion, the, um, colon, A Fashionable History of Hollywood Costume Designers, um, gifted to <laughs> us by Vincent Rosemary Keaton. Hey. Um, <clears throat> It's a great book, honestly. Wonderful co- um, coffee table book with all the um, co- uh, biographies of people. There's a wonderful piece on her uh, here because she went to the Chouinard Institute, um, mm-hmm. where one Mr. Bob Mackey went to. You know, hello. Uh, so she graduated <laughs> in 1943, and she prevents, presented herself to Hunt Stromberg, who had just left MGM to start his own production company, Natalie Vizart. Maybe you've heard of her. I hey. just signed with Stromberg and needed a sketch artist and assistant. So Jensen worked with Fizart for three years during Fizart's tenure. Jensen sketches for The Strange Woman in 1946, especially pleased star Hedley, Hedley Lamar. Um, after Fizart's departure, Lamar asked Jensen to design her clothes for the next Stromberg production, Dishonor- Dishonored Lady, 1947. So it's actually kind of cool that Lamar went up to bat for Jensen yeah. and got, got her this gig, which was her first, um, which was her first uh, screen credit so that's pretty cool i think that's and really it's cool a, 
I love that the little kismet that we have that there's like kind of a through line between the, our last two movies. Well, and um, um, so. she was kind of a weird, like an inventor as herself too. Like, oh, really? well, yeah, because um, she, uh, the like, I, I knew a couple because I knew she had she had worked on I Love Lucy, but then another thing I knew she had designed. Mm-hmm. Um, she had designed. A, I was. I had to Google it real quick. A white fleece overcoat, electrically heated by batteries, carried in two side pockets, oh, yeah. with an extension cord that could be plugged in on planes or trains, and was featured in a futuristic fashion <laughs> show that's sponsored the, by the Los Angeles Fashion Group. So that's like I knew she was one of those like did like weird. Like there was something weird like that she was kind of like futuristic. Yeah, stuff. yeah, like or just that. I love that. Like, I love oh that which God. also not a bad idea because like that's not actually really, really cool. <laughs> But that was it. Doesn't feel sound very useful in LA though. No, no, but like New York would be fucking uh, really dope to have a nice uh, heated coat that you could plug oh, in and charge on yeah. the train. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> or in the Pacific Northwest. Um, basically, <laughs> have you ever seen those? Um, there used to be this thing that um, they would do like minute like shorts on like Popular Mechanics or something like that, and they were like filmed versions, and it was like the home of the future, and it would show like yes. all this futuristic yes. stuff from like, but it was all like super like atomic age 60s boop stuff yep. is so cool with like <laughs> beds coming out of the floor and like tables and stuff and you're just like where the, where did those beds come from like so everyone just has a basement full of like furniture that's like hydraulically lifted that was what that's what that reminds me of so i'm sure all that stuff's on youtube if you wanted to oh yeah it. no i love all that um, stuff and it's like built in yeah. everything so I know all the built-ins, all the things, all that stuff. So everything's like custom made for every house. Um, but it's interesting cause I was looking at her stuff. Um, her, you know, she did end up getting, um, an Oscar for her work with Samson and Delilah. Is that correct? I believe. Sorry. Pardon me. Yeah. She did get an Oscar. She won for, um, she won for Samson and Delilah. She shared the Oscar with Edith Head, Dorothy Jenkins, Jill Steele, um, Jill Steele, and Gwen Wakeling. So that was in 1951. Um, nice. Her career, honestly, is not a ton of stuff no. as costume designer. She's only credited with 21 productions, um, including, like you were saying, I Love Lucy, Samson and Delilah. Um, and then also, oddly enough, Tron in 1982. Uh, that's what I was going to say. Like, kind of cool. She's uh, more a quality over quantity. Like, everything, you're just like, ooh, ooh, heavy hitters. All of them, you know? So, like, right. it's pretty great. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's interesting, too, because she kind of went dormant between 57 and, um, well, for like 57 to 82 mm-hmm. is kind of blank. She did do some small work um, between the set, like 70 and 80. She did. Um, what was I saying? 57. Yeah. So she did some, a lot of TV work as sort of like a wardrobe department. I was going to say, she probably had a lot of uncredited work. Yeah. But she was also teaching as well. Oh, in the book that she did end up teaching a little bit too. So that might be what she was doing in lieu of actually like screen work. So it's kind of cool that she did that a little bit, but I think that it's really interesting to go from like doing just kind of interesting, just like standard you know costume design work and just nothing like too like science fiction to going all the way to tron i seems well, and it can you so <laughs> kind of out of character i just well but uh, interesting yeah in a real, real fun way i think it i'd would love be fun to, to take the, a class from her can you imagine if you were like taking yeah. you were like in the 70s you're like yeah i took classes from this lady who uh used to do costumes for like you know i would lose these and the next thing you know you hear you know you read about her in the paper and she's the costume designer for tron like that would have been I fucking dope <laughs> i just wonder what the um the impetus of that would have been yeah. like how 
would she have got, I guess she might've done like a project or something that proved that she could do to run. Like that just seems so. Well, and uh, interesting, interesting too, because you know, you would perception again, funny thing. It's like, Oh, Tron, you would think it would have been designed by like a young person, right. Who would have been mm-hmm. like, in or, a, yeah. you know, but the fact that she's like a heavy hitter from like old Hollywood doing this, like what we even look at today as being very futuristic. I think that's right, pretty rad. Yeah. But then again, she was making a battery-operated heated coat in the 40s. So maybe she was, maybe maybe they she were, was doing some stuff. You know, may, hey, she's hanging out with ladies of STEM. You know, she's <laughs> <laughs> like, if she's friends with Hedy Lamar, you know, they're just probably like, maybe. girl, what can we think up next? Just hanging out, be yeah. like, ooh, let's make this. You know, <laughs> that's cool. She also did this movie um, right after Dishonored Lady. She did Lured as well, which actually had. Um, which had Lucille Ball in it, which is actually a pretty good movie. I've seen it before. Um, well, they were pretty tight. Directed by Douglas Sirk. So I wonder if that's maybe where she met, um, where she met Lucy. And then that's where, what ended up becoming able to kind of like be kind of friends and stuff in the, with their life. And Well, you know, she, Lucy and pushed for her to do show. the, she wanted her to do the costumes up front for it and then wasn't able to. And so she was like freelancing for mm-hmm. a while. Like she had some contract stuff. Then they got her on, and when she tried to get more money, they were like, "I think yeah. I think it was more Desi, but I think you know, they were like, bye." Well, it's kind yeah. of fucked up. Of they're course. like, "Oh, you, yeah, yeah." They're like, "Oh, you want monties? Nope." Yeah, <laughs> and cool. it was sort of like pre pot before we were recording. Um, there are people, certain people, in certain roles and responsibilities who are just not paid enough, and um, yeah. that would be one of them. Costumers. Exactly. So, um, exactly. <laughs> am I right, all y'all out there? All tens, <laughs> all tens of you listening. <laughs> um oh my goodness so but yeah this was really fun um i thought that the um the dresses and well first of all i mean as they say many many times in the movie she looks lovely um her dresses look beautiful they fit her beautifully um we've as we've talked about more the the 1940s is such a beautiful era like Mm. (laughs) you know it's made the 40s because even like the worst men characters look handsome everybody looks amazing like the suits are on point and fit beautifully everything is draping from the shoulders (laughs) Mm. and um oh my god so good and i love the evening gowns from that time you know yeah they're like opulent and like these full like princess scene beautifully tailored gowns that are just like they have like light structure to them they're not like full 50s wasp waist but they're they almost have a medieval quality but still very 40 yeah i just love 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 (laughs) exactly and 47 is a great era too because it's right on the cusp of like it would have been kind of like i guess what do you right just when dior Dior, was doing the the new look so these Mm -hmm. things were so structure was starting to get in and doing some things there was a lot of like off the shoulder beauties yeah like a lot of little dirndl bodices and dirndl mm -hmm, fitting kind of skirts and stuff which were again extremely flattering and very wearable like um even today like if you were to wear that that kind of silhouette it's just very it's like flattering and practical um and that is the 1940s flattering and practical So. <laughs> um, cool. I mean, yeah. I can run through the storyline on sure. this one if, yeah. you, if and you like. Um, so uh, the film opens up with Madeline Damien, played by Hedy Lamar, sitting in a car when a cop swings by and asks her if she needs anything. She declines any assistance and drives away. Uh, clearly bothered by something, she speeds up and drives her car off the road and through the fence of Dr. Caleb, uh, played by Morris Karnovsky. Uh, he takes her into his house and begins questioning her actions. He's a psychiatrist and wants to help. She is unharmed, so sh- he puts her on the train back to the city. Before she goes, he asks her to call him the next time she's considering suicide. 
The next day, back at the office, it turns out Madeline is a high-powered fashion magazine art director. Um, is this the Devil Wears Prada prequel we've always wanted? <laughs> uh, oh, she isn't a fraction of a bitch. She she couldn't. Know, that's right? why she left. She's like, fuck these mad bitches. She what? What, does, what was it? Well, she works with Boulevard magazine. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, of course. Um, <laughs> Long I'll, be, I'll be signing. <laughs> yeah. I'll be uh, si- uh, signing, sending away from my subscription today. Uh, <clears throat> she hears her coworkers bitching about her being difficult with a rich jewelry magnate and hefty advisor Felix Cortland, played by John Loder. She shrugs it off, refusing to run the spread, claiming the photos are trash. Um, that night, after a date, she can't get a cab in the snow. Oddly enough, Cortland shows up and offers her a ride home. And by home, he means his. Hi-yo. Um, she hangs out with him and listens to him talk about himself. Naturally. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, literally. <laughs> I know. It's like, uh, uh, something's never changed. No wonder changed. she's so depressed. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so the next day back at the office, she arrives to flowers from him and a whole load of gossip about her actions with Cortland. Um, the guess is that she'll put the spread back in the magazine now. Um, dismayed by everyone talking about her like she's a slut, she wanders the city and almost gets hit by a truck. This prompts her to start seeing Dr. Caleb to find out what her troubles really are. Mm-hmm. So Caleb, being a man of the 40s, blames all her troubles on her and the fact that she's a liberated woman and goes out with men and through insinuation, sleeps with them. Uh, He pushes her to quit her job and start a new provincial life without all the glamorous trappings and without all those menses. (laughs) So, you know, go the full opposite route of Jack A. (laughs) You know, mean. Um... (laughs) Uh, okay so she gets her job um, so she quits her job and in order um, wait sorry so she gets her job in order right when she is approached by her co-worker Jack Garrett played by William Lundigan um, who asks her to get Cortland to give her five G's for him to borrow so Garrett's been living large but can't afford to pay for it she refuses and and he threatens to blackmail her by going to the boss about her and Cortland Mm -hmm. she scoffs at him since she's quit already she's like go fuck yourself Um, (laughs) it's a good scene you guys so she moves into (laughs) it's real good Um, and she's wearing a beautiful like right? cowl necklace. Ugh. It's very Grace Jones cowl. Yes. I'm like, yes, girl. <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna deliver yes. a like a fuck you scene, do it in a cowl. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> I mean, nothing more powerful than a Grace Jones. Yeah, right. Uh, That's what I say. Um, <clears throat> fucking Jedi me, mind so tricks. <laughs> <laughs> like this pillbox hat kind of. I know, right? Oh, it's so good. <laughs> So she moves into a boarding house owned by Mrs. Geiger, played by Margaret Hamilton, uh, where she takes up painting again, and she meets Dr. David Cousins, played by Dennis O'Keefe. He's working on a research paper and hires her to illustrate it for him. She accepts, and they work work together. Um, Or as they work together, they start falling in love. Meanwhile, Cortland has been looking for Madeline because, you know, he can't give up that beautiful, beautiful, you know. Yes, he's a nightmare. Uh, So he even hires her old co-worker, Jack Garrett, to track her down and get access to her apartment. Uh, He shows up one night and she demands him to leave since she's in love with David now. Like, that was kind of fucked up. Yeah, that was really fucked uh, up. Like, I'm here now. He Harvey Weinstein her. Jesus Christ. Sorry, but he did. So I'm like, what's your end game, buddy? Like, what, what's your goal here? Uh, probably sexual uh, assault. I'm going to just put that in there up yeah. top. Yeah. 
Um, so while David is out of town presenting his paper, Madeline's old boss and friend lure her out to her old bar and beg her to help with the magazine. Uh, they get her good and sauced and um, make her work for them, which was really nice of them to do. Yeah. Uh, so when she's about to leave, Jack shows up and tips off Cortland that she's at the bar. Cortland is missing jewels and accuses Jack of stealing them. Jack denies this and Cortland heads to the bar to intercept Madeline as she leaves in the rain. So, Cortland takes the sauced M dog back to her pl- back to his place, where she dozes on the couch for a bit. She is woken up when she hears Jack and Cortland arguing in the next room. She can't tell who it is though. Um, so she stumbles out the back way and goes home filled with shame. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jack begs Cortland not to call the popo um, on him. He did pinch the jewels, but he has the pawn slip and can get them back for him. Not dissuaded, Cortland um, does call the five O and. Jack panics, clocks him over the head with the world's largest lighter, and <laughs> kills him. I mean, I don't know what to say about that lighter. I think it was a candlestick. Maybe it was a lighter. <laughs> it was a lighter because he lights the cigarette for her earlier. And I was right. like, dude, that thing is the size of a goddamn like fire extinguisher. <laughs> Except for it does the exact opposite. <laughs> So very strange. Rich people are weird. I know. Well, they light a lot of cigarettes. <laughs> they sure do. It's like, here's a gallon of butane. Let me put it next to your face. <laughs> Good luck with that, buddy. So... The next morning, David comes home with triumphant news about his presentation. Madeline notices the front page of the paper that Cortland has been murdered. Um, That's when the fuzz shows up. They begin questioning Madeline in front of David, and he is shocked to learn that she has been living under an assumed name and that she was with another man the night before. She is taken and in charge with the murder of Cortland. While the trial plays out, um, everyone uh, paints her as a... um, I don't know what I wrote here. I guess as basically as a cold hearted slut. Oh, okay. she spread, um, <laughs> oh, here's what I wrote. Paints her as a cold spread it around town kind of gal. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I wrote. Oh man. <laughs> just, you are you a sh- wordsmith, sir. <laughs> sometimes you just a, sometimes the words just flow through you. I know, I'm a vessel. Right? I'm a vessel. It just comes right through me. Um Madeline has lost her will because of how she hurt David, and she won't let her attorney defend her against all the testimony. Dr. Caleb pleads with David to tell her that he still loves her, but he refuses. He eventually takes so day so David eventually takes a stand, and when he is asked if he still loves Madeline, he says that he does. This changes Madeline's resolve, and Madeline um, agrees to take the stand in her own defense. This was a good scene, too. During her testimony, it comes out that there was a wall safe that they didn't know about, and that the murderer could have um, been a result of robbery. The attorneys and David, for some reason, go to check out the safe. It appears that nothing has been stolen, and when asked if um, he knew about or knew how to get in, to the safe. Jack let it slip, not knowing what kind of safe it was that he didn't have, quote, the key, nor knew about the existence of the safe. So this let David know that um, he was the killer since the oddity of the safe needing a key. So he left the scene, leaving Jack alone, where he caught him wiping down the safe for fingerprints. David attempts to call the police, but Jack pulls a gun on him. The two scuffle and Jack is killed in the melee. 
Um, Madeline is cleared of all charges. She um, clears out her stuff from the boarding house before David can get home to her. Uh, she leaves him a note saying that she needs to sort things out and it, um, and will be back for him later if he truly loves her. Mrs. Giger lets him know which airport she went to which was probably Idlewild or Teterboro. Um, You're like, FYI. FYI. Um, So she went um, to, so he, blah, blah, blah. Um, So he goes to her and catches her on the tarmac before she boards. They kiss and he waves to the plane to leave without her. And one must assume that her luggage was still on board. (laughs) The end. (laughs) Oh, man. It's like, Goodbye, bags. I didn't like you anyway. <laughs> so that's the story of this movie. Yeah. It was good. Yeah, yeah. It was good. Not a perfect film, but, you know, yeah. what are you going to do? Um, so, Kathleen, let's talk looks, shall we? All right. I know where to begin. Well, where to begin? I, well, I was going to say up top that everybody had, like, the outerwear and the jackets that she has and uh, the other women too but just in general like the 1940s is such a great era for trench coats and jackets Mm -hmm. and gorgeous Mm -hmm. fur coats i know they're not ethically sound but my god they are that is like the era the era because again it's just everything else even though this was 47 you're still coming out of world war ii you can still see it with the shorter hemlines everything is still kind of coming out of and was still getting actually was still rationed in europe so you the things that weren't rationed were it you know furs and hats so those are the things you and of course if you had jewelry so you would often see people with fairly conservative looking clothes but then would really turn it out by with their accessories and their hats and their beautiful uh, furs if you had it so um um, and which you definitely see and hear a lot. Um, and also, um, so that, and then I think, um, I really, really love her, um, her off the shoulder full length evening gown that she wears, um, in the, um, in, in the, beginning, the beginning of the movie, like the first half when yes. she's kind of seduced, I guess you could say, but she just looks absolutely beautiful. It fits her great. And that is just one of my favorite, favorite, favorite silhouettes is that like 1940s where they're just, it's, it's all princess seamed and tailored beautifully, but it flows and it's just really gorgeous. And, um, yeah, and it, there's not, it's not too revealing. It's not like she's really, like, it doesn't, like, the the neck isn't too low, but it's still, like, off the shoulder and provocative and just class. Really, really classy. Um, right. So yeah. what about you? Do you have any, like, looks? That Actually, that gown has got some really beautiful, that off the, the one that she ends up in the... Um, She's the first the opening scene. Yes. She's in the um the doctor's house, the psychiatrist's yes, house. Yes, yes, yes. It's got this beautiful, like almost um like a shoulder peplum. That's not the right word for it, but it's got this like flounce at yeah. the top, and it's all embellished and stuff. And actually, I just found a really beautiful photo of it, full length. And there's um the jacket that she wore over it had the same embellishment yes. on the jacket that she, when she was getting on the train. Yeah. It's just ugh, it was so beautiful. Um, and we have to talk about the gown that she wears when she first meets Felix Cortland. She's got it's off the shoulder, but with the full skirt. That's the one. That's the and one then I it's love. Got this, um, yeah. Oh, right. The, the white, white one. one. Yeah. Okay. That's the so one. we're talking about. Two oh, yeah. No, ones. sorry. That's the one I was talking about. That's the one that's I okay. really, I love that one so much. It's like classic old Hollywood. Um, but know. it also has like, if you noticed, it's got like this really deep, like it's got that super deep V with like the sheer, yes. it had like the sheer keyhole cut out in the front, almost down to her belly button. 
super crazy sexy for the 40, 1947 because it was a nude illusion yeah. panel in the front of it. I was like, when I saw that, I was just like, damn girl, get it. <laughs> like really showing off all kinds. I mean, I guess that's what they're like, trying that to convey been at that point, you know, about scandalous. her character Yeah. Because it's funny too, because then when you see her and she goes to living in the boarding house, they almost put her in these very like Durndal-esque kind of, uh, you know, she's got like the little right. things with the waist cincher, and then which I actually really love that mm-hmm. outfit. That's one of my favorites. She looks like a yeah, that's it a looks beautiful very little outfit. <laughs> um, I love yeah, that one. It's got the little like kind of like um, ribbon. Yes, collar yeah, kind of thing. and she's got the little waist cincher ugh. that kind of like laces in front. Um, and, uh-huh. and then, um, there's also another one where she's got this really beautiful little, it almost looks like a Durndal folk vest uh, that she's wearing uh, with yeah. the little, um, skirts that are kind of like just, just below the knee and kind of full, but not like the Dior new look full, but you can see you, like you said, they're getting there. Like we're starting to see yeah. a little bit more. They're not as like a hard A line. They're, they're a bit more flowy and full that you see like toward the later forties, right. which love because it's so flattering. Mm-hmm. It looks so good on everybody. So, yeah. Exactly. I mean, there's so many good ones. I love when she goes back to work the next day after her car accident and she's all in that. She has that beautiful, like, hue. It's like that oversized um, beret, kind of. Yeah. Beret, yes, Mm -hmm. with that giant brooch on the front and she's got the fur and she just. I love she's like swinging her fox fur. It's just like, oh, so good. (laughs) She looks like strong lady going to work. And then she, like, and after she mm -hmm. fires that piece of shit secretary and she takes off her coat, she goes, sit down i'm like yes girl let's begin the day (laughs) (laughs) yes she's like before you go bring me my coffee right exactly (laughs) goodness uh there's so many beautiful like um there's so many beautiful looks on this movie because i think that there's even the one that she has um with the uh with the shoulder embellishments on it i believe it's the one that she wears at the very end honestly it's got like this folkloric like floral pattern on the shoulders that kind of like trickles down and that wonderful like cape coat and stuff there's it's honestly she's got i mean she's got the best wardrobe clearly um her co-worker has some pretty good stuff as well every woman in here is done like done to the nines even the secretary and their hair is all perfectly curled and like upswept and you know and it's just mm-hmm. it's so like everybody is like tight and tidy and put together and just it looks great yeah it looks really really good oh my god and i have to give a huge shout out to whoever the switchboard operator Ugh. was that was we need a whole um, movie about because her. she was got there that, wasn't enough of her so <laughs> she had that like she i love that she had the stereotypical like switchboard operator yes. voice in 1947 which is where the stereotype <laughs> comes from so it's like i just love that that stereotype is alive and well in the in the era like the contemporary it's era to be Lil- like Lil- oh yeah this is what think of lily tomlin from what, laughing you know <laughs> basically yeah <laughs> She just like, please hold. It was just so like they were just like, yeah, that's what a switchboard operator sounds like. That's just you, you like you don't hire a switchboard operator. You cast them I based on so. their voice. Yes. <laughs> they're like, they're, you know, they're just like, pl- just say please also, hold, and, and then like, we'll how see if you got the job. Google curl scraped up to go with that, <laughs> yes. to go with that voice. You know, <laughs> I love it. It was so wonderful. She's just like, well, you know, some girls just need all the excitement. I was like, where is this woman? I, I love her. She needs <laughs> like, her own spinoff. <laughs> I just love that. It was like every single switchboard operator oh, is this God. person, and without a doubt, I she don't trained them all. That's why. She's like the house mom. <laughs> Maybe she. <laughs> yes, she is. 
She's like the uh, yeah. She's like goes to the switchboard operator acting school. <laughs> they all go to the one school. They all have to learn the same thing. She's like, well, when I worked with Hedy Lamar, dishonored lady. <laughs> Yeah. You know, they really like it when you talk like this. <laughs> you know, it's like, Make sure your curls are very, really, very high. <laughs> really puts them at ease when they're calling. <laughs> Please hold. Make sure you're shrill and nasal. Shrill and nasal. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You can add the effort Do inflection. It doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt. Yes. <laughs> I love I just love that idea of like someone being like you know you you, you come with great references man but can you be more thrilled <laughs> they're like we're well, certainly Mr. Mr. Bitterman <laughs> good god so good Ugh. I mean what are you gonna do answer um, the phone is what you're I <laughs> <laughs> But let's see, was there any other looks in this movie that I wanted to talk mm. about? Hmm. I mean, that cowl, though, when she was quitting her job with the fur, she's got the fur, like, pancake oh, hat so where good. she's doing the, like, where she's doing, like, full Hasidic Jewish with, like, the cowl and, like, a brooch. And it was just I like, yes. And her. Her eyebrows Perfect. are just a work yeah. of art. Like I can't even like. Um, but I did like. I think I was kind of funny that her um, face is like so I symmetrical. Did like that her, it's haunting. You just kind of want to stare at it yeah. the whole time. <laughs> yes. <gasps> um, I did like that her storyline was that she was Eastern European, yes. so that her accent it wasn't out of place yeah. too much. And then I also liked that when she was when she was playing drunk, her accent was thicker, she which I think was hammered. kind of a kind it of a good. nice. Yeah. Yeah. She, she did. did. And like, really even the way she was acting, I love when he's trying to kiss her and she's like, stupid, stupid, stupid. I'm like, that should be amazing. <laughs> 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 or like a gift, you know? Cause it's like, that was great. Uh, I loved it. But yeah. I love that. She's just like, stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> She's a, she's so great. But uh, yeah, I thought she was I know, really I good in that. this movie. I felt like, she just wasn't. It's not that she wasn't acting, but like she. This was like low effort for Hedy Lamar. Like this is just yeah. like you can tell you're working with someone who's clearly very, very brilliant and talented. Like there's something about her mm-hmm. on screen, and then when you read about her, you're like, yeah, I kind of got that. You you get that vibe that this is an intense person, yeah. like intense, and well, I think she's awesome. exactly. I think there's something interesting too about her acting style. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to actually, I've seen, I've only seen a couple, I've seen like, you know, Ziegfeld girl and stuff like that, but I haven't really paid attention to her acting as well. So I wonder, I just think she's, she smolders. And I think that she really doesn't, she doesn't, she acts very kind of like she, she doesn't really act. She just kind of like coolly delivers lies also. And I think that that's kind of an interesting way of doing it. I think, and I think I kind of respect that, that she's not like, you know, swinging for the fences when it comes to acting. Yeah. yeah, She's not just like, you know, cause that could be a little bit broad. So I think that there's something nice about how kind of subtle she is. She's like quiet, but it's intense. It's like super intense. Cause you like, Mm -hmm. uh, for me, I like found myself like leaning in. You're just like, what, what, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, this was a great movie. I'm so glad you recommended it. (laughs) You're welcome. And guys, yeah, it's on Amazon prime, but I'm, I'm, 
I'm sure because it's like free, you know, it's one of those that like lost, it's like in the oh, domain. No. So it's probably fairly easy to find, um, to watch, but it is a really good watch. Um, yeah, I highly recommend it. We definitely watch this again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good one. Um, was there anything else we wanted to cover before we um, um, sign off of this episode? Oh, and just also too, a really great movie for like hair. Cause like you said, you love her eyebrows, but like this is a oh, great yeah. movie. Like just as far as like uh, 1940s, like hairstyles, updos and, and the men, like the way the men comb their hair and stuff like this. I thought it was, it's oh, a yeah. really, really good hair inspiration uh, movie too, for just for that time. Cause everybody, it's like realistic. It's not like, over the top rich yeah. people hair. Like, I mean, she has a couple moments, but like, honestly, mm-hmm. her up to like, and it's very, that's like literally the Hedy Lamar hair, which is like the parted in the middle. Yeah. That's, and it's, she comes from that school, like, her whole look was specifically crafted just for her. Kind of like a Marilyn, yeah. or, you know, who she actually reminded me a lot of, like, physically, and even just the intensity was Liz Taylor, a young Liz Taylor was very oh, very yeah, much she yeah. almost like it, like they could have almost been sisters they they had a very similar look and that intensity mm-hmm. in their eyes when they were like you know, the way they lit them and everything so um oh and yeah. the lighting is fantastic she, in this movie too yeah Ooh. she had a little bit of a vivian lee vivian, too, yes like yeah her, they're they're vivian, that like ilk. they had all yeah. they all kind of like those intense yeah, brunette kind of like you know um mm-hmm. and they deliver their lines in the, that kind of like smoldery like you said that just kind of right um, there's yeah. something going on behind those eyes and it's very they're complex women and I think that's what's really that mm-hmm. comes across really really well in this movie um yeah so it was really good but that yeah. that was it I just wanted like the hair was was pretty mm-hmm. great you know yeah. if, you're, if you're somebody doing it was the interesting theater, so. speaking speaking of hair though the doctor's hair I couldn't get couldn't get my head wrapped around his right? hair it was a little like it Sculpty. was like white on the sides and then dark on the oh, top yeah, yeah, yeah. so I was like having a little trouble with I was like am I looking at a wig yeah. <laughs> maybe anyway well, yeah so, who knows you know keep your eyes keep your eyes on that prize <laughs> there because that's an interesting hair there's his hair it's got you know it's a mystery and I'm you know we'll get to the well, bottom even like eventually. like the guy Chris Hansen's hair was like beautifully kind of like combed to the side oh, and yeah. you know if you're just kind of looking for like good like men's 1940s hair like this was a great movie mm-hmm. to kind of like capture that um uh, every, yeah. All the guys look so handsome. Like even the bad guy, you're just like, oh, mm, but you're kind of like, you're really, you're a handsome man. Like, <laughs> yeah. So this could. Pretty I mean, knowing that this is all like pre any kind of like surgical enhancement or personal trainer or any kind of special diets, yeah, you're just like true. these are just straight up nature. Nature made these men. You nature. know, kind of like Tom Selleck and Magnum yeah. PI. Hey, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> You've been Let binging Magnum P.I. Okay. And, and I've been binging yes, Murder, She Wrote. Yes, <laughs> and I was thinking maybe we should just do a, we, we should just, we should do a podcast on the crossover app. I'm just saying. We should put it out there <laughs> for the world to I know. have to watch the first half of the episode, though, because the second half was a Murder, She Wrote, and the first half was a Magnum oh, P.I., so I haven't seen the oh, first Oh, my God. Well, I gotta, I gotta find Magnum P.I., but then I gotta find the crossover ones, because Magnum P.I. is on uh, Amazon Prime right now. It's just, it's so soothing Ooh. to have on in the background. I don't know yes. what it is. Also, he's just like, when you watch, like, he's so fucking tall compared to everyone else. I know. And he's got them tiny, tiny shorts. (laughs) Anyway, so that's it. Magna P.I. 
<laughs> Yay. Um, Okie dokie. Well, everybody, thanks for joining us for a proper episode of Old yep. Hollywood Realness. Professional. Um, <laughs> I know, right? Um, you can episode. always keep in touch with us on social media. Old Hollywood Realness on Instagram and Facebook. OHR Podcast on Twitter. Um, you can join us on Facebook and the Facebook group OHR Podcast Darlings. D-A-H-L-I-N-G-S. Um, it's just one of those requests and we'll let you we'll let you in easy peasy um want to thank mr hal lublin for his vocal talents at the opening of the podcast as always keeping us fresh and profesh um go ahead and rate review over on um itunes it helps us five stars and write a little you know a little thing just be like hey you know a little hey how are you be great to hear from you over there yes and thank you Um, everyone who has we really appreciate it it is like (laughs) it it warms our hearts and our souls (laughs) this is great (laughs) yes um but uh yeah so that's pretty much it um and we'll come at you the next episode with the um you know with the other half of this, <laughs> this uh, snafu with libeled lady right oh my gosh yeah and it's gonna be so good you guys gene harlow Woo-hoo! Woo-hoo! <laughs> um william powell Woo-hoo! Woo-hoo! uh mirna loy okay yes um so in the meantime thank you for listening to ohr heavy lamar smoldering eyes <laughs> Test, test, beep, boop. Test, test, beep, boop. Boop, boop, beep, boop. <laughs>